0: Love, love. Beautiful. Thank you, Jan. Very nice. It's always good to have Jan back with us. We're honored to have her. So, uh, okay, so we continue our sermon series. We're on number eight. We've been, so those of you are visiting with us, you know, we're honored you're here, but you know, we're finishing up our sermon series on the Ten Commandments. And we, you know, we also know uh, the ancient tradition, actually, there were ten words. And so as God gave those on Mount Sinai, the children of Israel were let out of bondage and they took, well, it took three months to finally get to Mount Sinai. And then God gave them the the Ten Commandments, the ten words. And so we're on number eight this week. And um, the number eight is thou shall not steal. Don't steal. And so the title of my sermon today is, um, well, it goes something like this, Winners and Losers and the Christ that Hangs in Between. And so um, I was, I've been watching the Olympics. I don't know if you all have been watching the Olympics. And so I've really enjoyed Don and I just love watching the Olympics. And so each night we tune in and we've been staying tuned to what's been going on. And so um, it just kind of reminds me, once again, do y'all remember the ABC wide world of sports and, the, and the, the opening tagline of that whole thing? You know, there was this big Russian guy who weighs about 400 pounds and he's power pressing p- pushing about 1,000 pounds over his head. So you get the, ad, the, the thrill of victory. And then of course you get the skier that just went rogue and he ends up flying over a house and it's just called the garbage run, you know, and just, he's laid out. And the th- the, so you get the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, right? And so, you know, once again, if you watched in the Olympics this last week, you've seen a little bit of both of that. And so... So I, I, this last week I, I was watching one race and it was of, of Lydia Jacoby. And I think I've got a picture of Lydia up here. And so um, there is, a, I got a little video of her actually doing her race. It was the swimming race. It was a 100 uh, meter breaststroke. And so, um, but I just thought this kind of really kind of captured the thrill of victory. So let just, let's just watch this video. It's about 35 seconds. Here we go. The, the kids were just going out of their mind. And the, you know what I loved about that is because she's a teenager. She's only 17 and all those kids were all her classmates. She just graduated from high school last month. And so now she's got a gold medal. Now, it's hard to beat that. Isn't it amazing? And when I, I saw that video clip of all those kids are just completely out of their mind, I thought wow isn 't that amazing? Such is the kingdom of god isn 't it? when it comes to the idea of well the idea of the thrill of victory, agony defeat, and, and then I started thinking about the idea of you know um, all those kids who are in some kind of gymnasium, by the way there 's only one pool in all of alaska it 's fifty meter, i mean well fifty meters there 's only one, and so evidently she trains there it 's pretty amazing. Uh, but the connection, as I watched that video clip of all her friends who had gathered in this gymnasium, rooting her on, cheering her on. And they didn't win the gold medal. But they felt as if that they had won a gold medal with her. There was this connection, isn't there? And so um, when I thought about this in, my persp- in the perspective about the Ten Commandments, because you know, once again, you think about the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill. Uh, what's interesting about that, and so once again, we're on thou shalt not steal today. Um, I think one of the reasons why the guy gave us those commands is the reality is when we do those things, not only do you lose, but everybody around you loses. But when we adhere to these things that God's given to us, not only do we win, everybody wins. I love this, this image because, you know, um, when I write sign off on my letters, I usually use, actually use the, this text from Hebrews, the 12th chapter. And when I sign off my letters, I'm running the race with perseverance. The word I got that came from Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. Let us run the with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for who, for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross and dis- disregarded its shame and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of almighty God. Wow, this is the word of God for the people, God. Thanks be to God. I love this imagery of, that we find in the text about this great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. We're all in this together. So we're on number eight this week, thou shalt not steal. True story, about seven or eight years ago, you know, I run every morning and, um, so one morning I was uh, I was doing my normal job, just my own business, and um, do my same exact loop. I run the exact same thing every single day. I run multiple times my neighborhood, run my neighborhood, and the next door neighbor, next door over neighbor, and um, and so on. This particular day, it was a little different because I was coming around the, the kind of the home stretch, and I saw something in the middle of the road, and I um, thought, well, that's kind of odd. And I thought, what is that? And I thought maybe it was some oh, maybe some brush or something. And then as I got closer, I realized that it wasn't, you know, a tree limb, it was um, a bank bag. And, um, and then so I thought, well, that's interesting. Why is there a bank bag in the middle of the road and it's 6.30 in the morning? So I, being inquisitive, I go and open up the bank bag and lo and behold, there's a lot of cash in it. I'm thinking, booyah, yes, this is amazing. <laughs> So then I'm thinking, okay, what do I do now? And so I literally take it and I stick it under the because I didn't want to just leave it there. So I pick it up and I'm kind of looking around. It's sticks there. Of course, there's nobody out. And um, so I get home and I say, Donna. I said, she's what? I said, you're not going to believe what I found this morning. She says, what'd you find? And I said, I found a bank bag and it's got a lot of money in it. And so I opened up and I lay out all the cash on the table, and I counted it. It was over $11,000. Now, not everybody finds $11,000 on their 630 month, but I did on that particular day. And so and they go, okay, now what? What am I going to do? So I, I'm, and, and it was just all cash. And, but in the midst of all those $100 bills, there was um, one little piece of paper, and inside the piece of paper, on the piece of paper, there were some numbers on it, but no, what well, was a bank deposit slip? But there was no name on it, and but it did have um, Citizens Bank stamped on it. So I think, okay, all right, got to do the right thing, right? <laughs> So I, 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 get ready, I get ready, I go to work, I go to the bank. This is a true story. I go to the citizen bank right here closest to us. And so uh, I go to the bank teller, and I said, ma'am, I just want you to know something. Uh, I was on my jog this morning, and I found this bank bag, and it has $11,000 in it. What am I supposed to do? And she says, let me get the manager, <laughs> Right? <laughs> So she goes and gets the manager, and she, he goes, so what's going on? I said, well, I was on my run this morning. I found this bank bag. It has citizens stamped on it. I have no idea who it belongs to, but here it is. And I hand it over to him, and he says, well, thank you, Mr. Hendren. We appreciate it, well, and we'll get back in touch with you. So true story, about three, two or three hours later, I'm in my office, and all of a sudden, I get a phone call from the bank manager, and um, he says to me, he says, Mr. Hendren, um, we were able to track down that number, and we, we were able to call the family that money belongs to, and so, um, and then I said, well, that's wonderful. I'm so glad that, um, about that, and I said, is there a finder's fee on that? No, I didn't actually say that, <laughs> and, and, so, <laughs> and so, and he says, and then he says to me, um, and the, the people, um, that belong this, uh, connected this money, they want to they come see you. And I said, okay, that'd be fine. And so uh, literally a half an hour later, this couple comes in and they live in my neighborhood. And evidently when the, one of them was backing out on that particular day, it was just a typical thing like you see in a commercial, like you put a cup of, a cup of coffee up above. He had taken his, put it up top and just forgot about it, and then it fell off in the middle of the road, and, and so what, what's interesting about that, so then they come in, and they um, they say, Pastor Harold, we're just so thankful, thank you so much for turn, turning that money in, and then they say to me, and they take an envelope, and they slide across the table, and it says, well, um, we want to make a donation to your church, and I said, well, that's nice, thank you so much, um, and I think, because this, this happened seven or eight years ago, it's either, it was either $500 or $1,000 that they gave to our church uh, because I turned in that money. And, and, then, and then they hand another envelope to me, and they go, uh, Pastor Hill, you know, we were grateful not only f- uh, for you turning this, but the church and so forth, and, then they, and they put in a gift card for me and for my family. So we were able to go to their place of business and, and utilize that as well. So I tell you that story today, is, you know what I love about that story? Is everybody was a winner. I mean, um, they were winners because they got their money back. Uh, the church is a winner because I just tried to do the right thing. And then I was a winner because we even got a $50 gift card. Everybody was a winner by just doing the right thing. And what we find in the eighth command, once again, there's this, this balancing act, isn't it? and And God says to us that that we're not supposed to steal, thou shalt not steal. And so here's the reality when you look at the Ten Commandments, especially when you look at the back side of this, by the way, you know the first four have to do our relationship with God, and the next six have to do with relationship with the, with each other. So when we lie and we cheat and we and we steal and we commit adultery and we kill. The reason why God gives us all those things is because, once again, the reality of that is when we do them right and we don't do those things, then everybody's a winner. But if we do those things, then everybody in reality is a loser. So what's interesting about, you know, you have to look at, when you look at the Ten Commandments and you look at number eight, we have to ask ourselves, now why would God put number eight in there, Right? And what's to me very powerful is that you go back like 3,500, 4,000 years and every ancient society had within their code of ethics, this basic principle about not stealing from other people. And so when God gives us the 10 commandments and they're the basic staples of life for us as as people who are following Christ and following the word of God, Yahweh, the sustainer, of everlasting life the sustainer source of life right he's the the source of a life every day we wake up and thank God for another day and so to me when I think the reason why God put that in there is because guess what the ancient Israelites were doing right they were messing up so God had to add and make sure that that one got included because many of the people evidently were stealing from each other So what's very interesting, and so let's look back, and so what are we talking about? We're talking about an an ancient society, and what was the ancient society, um, really what helped sustain it was agriculture, right? And and so... well, a lot of times what would happen, and I could see this, uh, matter of fact, when I was, um, you know, every summer I would go, I was raised on you know, the farm in the summertime and I'd go visit my aunt and uncle's farm. And so they had livestock. And so what happens with livestock? Well, guess what, sheep and goats and cattle are not the sharpest tools in the shed, right? So they wander off on other people's property. And so the question is, do you do the right thing and take the animal back? And so what's very interesting, matter of fact, I got a picture of my, my son, Luke. Here's a picture of Luke. And Luke is with a bunch of Bedouins in the middle of their Jordanian desert. I think I got another picture of him petting some dogs or something. So Luke was doing his graduate, matter of fact, he's on the last leg, was doing his doctorate program. He said, and he's working with VA, um, at a VA working with our veterans who are really broken emotionally because he's getting his doctorate in psychotherapy. And I really, really am so grateful. Because when Don and I were having all our kids, I said, God, I just hope and pray that we've raised our children to do something that's not just about themselves, but it's for other people. And so Luke is doing that. I really am so grateful Luke is really helping our veterans. So part of his graduate work is he would go and he would travel over and so he ends up in the middle of the desert. And this is how you got to this particular place. True story. He said, I said, Luke, how did you find these Bedouins? Because he was interviewing Bedouins about their lifestyle and about uh, what was life like for them and living this kind of agriculture community and how they sustain life. And, and so he said, well, this is the way it worked, Dad. He says, this is our instructions how to get to these Bedouins. We had to go out in the middle of the desert and the instructions were that you go drive 20 miles down this dirt road and then you find a tree. And then when you see the tree, you make a left-hand turn and then you go down another 12 more miles and then you'll see a great big Rock. And then at the rock, you turn right, and then you go about three or four miles, and the Bedouins should be on the left-hand side. <laughs> and that's exactly what Halley found the Bedouins, right? So he's in the middle of a tent in the middle of the desert, and he's interviewing with an interpreter these Bedouins. And the, what's interesting about the Bedouins is... They live just off the land. They don't really even own the land. They just live off the land. And so, what's part of the ancient tradition that goes back 3,500 years ago that all the animals are accounted for. And so, do you realize that the Bedouins, if uh, a cow or a goat or a sheep wanders into their herd, they do the right thing. After 3,500 years, they still live by this code of ethics. That they just take the animal back to their neighbor. Wow. So what's very interesting is that in the in the ancient tradition of the Book of Exodus, is this is what we find um, in the twenty third chapter. It says when so when you're when you happen to come upon your enemy's ox or your donkey that has wandered off, you should bring it back to them. Basic just a basic example of, of life about do not steal. So when, wait a minute. And this is when you see a donkey that belongs to someone who, who you hate and, and, and it's lying down under its load and you are inclined not to help set it free. Guess what? You, you must help set it free. This is written 3,500 years ago. And so what's very powerful about this particular piece of scripture, it goes back to that not stealing because it's an agriculture community. But it also there's, it's a, there's a caveat. It's about the idea that even if your neighbor that you hate, listen, and their animal's in trouble, you still got to do the right thing, which is actually very powerful, isn't it? And so what is the, the antidote of all this? I mean, once again, Jesus gives us this, this classic line that we, we live by when it comes to thou shalt not steal, because it's well, it's called the golden rule, isn't it? Uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Because see, I don't want someone lying to me. I don't want someone stealing from me. I don't want somebody cheating on me. I don't want someone having adultery and cheating with my wife. Or you know, we, These are the basic codes of life. And so what's very powerful is that Jesus takes this, this, number eight, thou shalt not steal, and reverses it and says, hey, the flip side of this is, well, listen, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then he gives us this little caveat. And what's even more powerful, and he, this is Jesus, so classic Jesus that we find this, these words. He says, hey, listen, um, the, by the way, on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you have heard, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But then Jesus said, hey, guess what? I said to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now there's a thought. So once again, this is so classic Jesus. So God gives us the 10 commandments, the basic staples of ethical life. He gives us number eight, thou shalt not steal. And so the antidote of what Jesus gives us Ultimately is the golden rule that do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then, and by the way, you have heard that I, well, yeah, you're supposed to love your, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute. So Jesus, once again, takes it to a whole nother level. So many of us are thinking, you know, okay, you know, how does this all really kind of uh, apply to me, I love this, the, I was reading this last week and I heard the, about this book title by James Moore. James Moore recently passed away about two or three months, two or three years ago, he was a, a gifted preacher and this is the title of his book. Yes, Lord, I have sinned, but I have several excellent excuses. <laughs> I love the title of that book, right? I gotta get that book, I love that. So we have to ask ourselves, okay, uh, this, this, this number eight, Thou shalt Not Steal. Okay, well, you know, it applies to the agriculture. You know, Harold, I don't have any goats. I don't have any sheep. You know, it really doesn't really apply to me. So let's just think about that. Where can this one kind of creep up us in our lives? Okay, so here's an example. So maybe, you know, you go out to dinner. You go over here to Giovanni's. You order a nice dinner. You order some wine. And so then they, somehow on the bill, they kind of make a mistake. And so, you know, you ordered two glasses of wine, but you... Well, they only charge you for one. And you kind of go through and you think, ah, oh, it's no big deal. It's only one glass of wine. So do you call it out to Jen and say, hey, Jen, you made a mistake. You know, when you, that, well, you I wanna make sure this is good. Or you just let it go. Or um, when's the last time you sold your car? And you know, when you, maybe you sold your car, or you traded in, did you tell the dealership all the things that were wrong with your car? Or you didn't okay or here's another one um my son jordan calls me up one day and um and so he's pulling out of a parking spot at ucf and so the parking garages at ucf are not really designed for silverado trucks they're designed for toyota civics so the parking spaces are about that wide so He's pulling out, he's trying to be careful, and evidently he cut it too close and he dinged a car, right? And he says, Dad, I had a finger fender bender. I said, what'd you do? And he says, well, he, he, I, I got a piece of paper out and I got a pen and I left my name and my telephone number and I put it on the wheelchair. I said, "Dad, that, that a boy. Good stuff, I, I'm proud of you. Because if he wouldn't have done that, who's really paying the bill? Now, here's the interesting, the flip side on that is that exact same thing has happened to the hindrance when either it was either Luke or Donna when they were parked in one of the parking lots and someone swiped our car and we got nothing. So who's paying the bill? Uh, and so when you, when you look at these little things, who's stealing from who? And you say, oh, that really, you know, okay, you know, that whole agriculture thing really doesn't apply to me. But there are these little things in life that can sneak up on us, and we have to ask ourselves, am I doing the right thing or not? Um, uh, Here's here's one more. And I never had thought about this until this week I read this, and I thought, this is a really um, powerful example in life. Now, some of us are really good at really um, being on time, and I really try to pride myself. When I'm talking about time, I'm usually not 15 minutes early or 10 minutes early or 5 minutes early. I'm usually like within one minute. That's how I run my life, With, I mean, within 60 seconds. But do you know that sometimes you can rob people of time? Steal it from them. For example, I'm going to call myself out. So I'm, I've been in ministry for like 32 years, okay? And so, um, I don't know, a few years ago, I was doing a wedding, um, and so uh, the wedding was at 3.30, and then what I, I show up for ch- church, it was a Saturday evening, and um, I, it was four o'clock, and all of a sudden, I think Sean or somebody comes out, Pastor Harold, where you been? And I said, well, I'm just coming to work. I'm, it's, 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 I'm, I'm early. I'm actually an hour early. didn't start. And they go, Pastor Harold, you had a wedding at 3.30. and I, Oh, gosh. I was just a mess. I was in a panic. I I had never, ever done that before in my entire life. I completely just went off my radar. And so meanwhile, there's like 100 people in the chapel waiting on me. And so the bride and the groom, they're all like looking around, looking for me. And so it was what was very, I just started, I had to go find my robe. I had to go get my little black book. And so they were, you know, they were so understanding. And I was, I was apologizing all over my side. I said, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. And they said, we don't care. Let's just go get married. Help let us. Come on. And I said, fine. And it was the only time I've ever walked into a wedding ceremony that I got a standing ovation. <laughs> that is the only time. Time. <laughs> they were so excited to see they were more excited to see me than the bride it was amazing <laughs> but do you see how in subtle ways how the eighth command can kind of make its way into our lives because i had robbed that whole group of people of their time I didn't intentionally do it, but I did do it. Uh, so here's interesting: thing. when you go back and look at the eighth command, there's all these kind of um, there's there's this other layer. Once again, you think about what Jesus says. The antidote to this is to, well, you know, to be a good neighbor and the idea to love your neighbor as yourself and the idea to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And and so we have this, and then also about you know. Praying for your enemies and loving your enemies. So so there's these these other different layers to this whole eighth command that you really I mean it just says I thought thou shalt not steal. Okay, well but you know there's there's all this other layers to it. I, I love this. When I was thinking this week and I do my sermon preparation, I, I love from the Gospel of Matthew, the 25th chapter, it's one of the most famous pieces of Scripture. And it's that whole thing, well done, my good and faithful servant. It's one of those things that we hope that when we get to heaven, that's what we hear, right? Well done, my good and faithful servant. We hope that we don't get there and Jesus says, oh my. <laughs> right? I don't want to hear, oh my. I'm hoping that I'll hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. But I love the, uh, the, the easy to read translation. If you, get, if you ever get a, you know, you want to look up scripture, you can Google this. It is called Bible Gateway. And Bible Gateway will give you a whole list of all these different translations. And I found this new one called easy to read. And I love it. And this is the same interpretation of well done, my good and faithful servant. But this is called the easy to read serv- version. It says, the master answered, you did the right thing. Hmm. I I like that. He just did the right thing. And and so what's very powerful, once again, let's just go, let me teach for a second. So you go back to this ancient tradition of uh, thou shalt not steal. But what I found this week in the ancient Hebrew and the Greek, when the word steal there is actually associated with the word kidnapping. Oh, I didn't know that. Thou shalt not steal, or the word kidnapping. And what was happening with the ancient children of Israel, once again, they had been set free. God has set them out of slavery. And what's very powerful is, evidently, they started taking slaves for themselves. And and the idea of kidnapping someone else and using them for their own benefit, God says, you're not supposed to do that. And this is evidently what's been happening with the children of Israel. They have, once again, and, and the idea of, of, uh, enslaving another person, God says, that's a bad idea. You really shouldn't do that. Matter of fact, um, and so we, once it, this is goes back 3,500 years ago and you think, well, what has that, how does that apply to us today? Well, do you know what? There's another name for this. It's called human trafficking. And you think, well, does that really exist? Oh yeah, it does exist. Matter of fact, you know one of the, one of the most uh, prominent places and evidently in the United States, I heard this recently on the news for human trafficking, Orlando. Wow. Wow. So God says, this is a really, really bad idea. Thou shalt not steal is connected with the word kidnap. And here's another interesting, here's another layer to this whole story about not only about enslaving people and kidnapping people and using them for their own benefit because the ancient children of Israel, you could actually, you could actually sell yourself off to be slavery to be able to pay a bill um, and that could go up to six years if you're an Israelite. So you could actually, and they could continue to take advantage of you in uh, uh, order to pay off the bill. Matter of fact, you could even sell, sell your children into slavery. That was part of it also. But if you were actually a a foreigner, that you could actually be enslaved and that would be, you have to be enslaved for the rest of your life. And God says, that's a really bad idea. So there's that. But what's very powerful about this is, and this is even the book of James. Evidently, in the book of James, we find this quote about how God is cautioning the children of Israel about paying a fair day's wage and taking advantage of of people by making them work and not paying them for what they're really worth and God says hey listen that's a really bad idea so you know you think about oh thou shalt not still you know what's interesting about us it still applies even though it's 3500 years old it's still there and so here, here, here's the interesting thing. And you think, well, you know, how does this all kind of, once again, um, tie in with us and where we're at and so forth. So what I love about this, this story today is, I mean, there's like the, the idea of thou shall not steal and Christ's antidote to this whole, I thou shall not steal is really the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then the idea, once again, once a, a rich man ruler comes to Jesus and says, hey, what do I need to hear in eternal life? And Jesus is really clear with this and says, well. You need to keep the commands and and, G, and the guy says well which one and then Jesus rattles off and what Jesus rattles off you know he says well you should well you should you shouldn't murder you shouldn't commit adultery you shouldn't steal bear false witness honor your mother and father and the guy says well I've done all that and then Jesus tells the richer and ruler he says well listen go and sell all you have and give it away to the poor so what's also what Jesus is getting at here? When it comes to stealing, it's not so much about taking. It's about giving. Oh, there's a whole other layer there, isn't it? So there's this, the idea of doing to others as you have to do them unto you. The idea of of not taking advantage of their people, not stealing from people, not paying them a fair day's wage, not kidnapping, not enslaving people. The idea of loving your enemy. Wow, there's another thought. And then Jesus adds this to the whole another layer about not being a taker, but being a giver in life. Wow, there's a lot there, isn't it? And it's just four or five words. Thou shalt not steal. Four words. And Jesus adds all this other layers to the story okay so I close with this and then we'll have communion in just a second. what I found this week and one of the most I mean, one of the most powerful stories I think of the Bible is Jesus hanging on the cross and as we know from the gospels that he was hanging there and there were we get the detail he's hanging between two thieves. y'all remember the story? okay and what's interesting about the word there the, the little translation of the word Greek, in the Hebrew, the, the word thieves there, it's actually a whole nother layer. It's a deeper, deeper meaning because the, the word thief there has everything to do with, well, these people would have, I mean, these, these guys aren't just like shoplifters. They are hardened, hard-nosed criminals. They are, vi- the, the little translation is that they were violent criminals. They were on the FBI most wanted list right? This is what's hanging on the cross next to Jesus. One on the right, one on the left. There's like, and that, this is such a paradox, isn't it? I mean, you've got these hardened criminal criminals, these thieves, and then you have Jesus who is perfect and good and holy in between them. Matter of fact, here, here's another little thought. Um, the little translation for the word thief there, is that even were just hardened, violent criminals. They were people who did very bad things. Wow. People who did very bad things. One on the right, one on the left. And we all know the story. So one of them, Okay, I got three words. The word, one word's jeering, one word's cheering, and one word is pulling. Okay, so here's the first word. The first one, one of the the, um, thieves is jeering Jesus, and then there he's taunting Jesus. Hey, if you really are the son of God, why don't you save yourself and save us? Blah, 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 blah. And then the other one gets it. He says, hey, man, don't you realize he hasn't done anything wrong? but we're getting exactly what we deserve. And then there's this, there's this great line that he says, hey, Jesus, is there really hope for me? And then Jesus says to him, you will be with me in paradise. Oh, wait a minute. Do you get this? This sermons come full circle. See, there's no cheering on the cross, but there are cheer, they are cheering in heaven. This great cloud of witnesses, cheering for this guy to make the right decision. Jesus is in the middle. He's perfect, holy, righteous, good. He's a giver of his life. He's not a taker, but he's a giver. And you got one guy on the left, and you got one on the right, and one of us cheering him, and you got the saints in heaven cheering him on. And guess what you got? You've got Jesus Christ pulling him in to eternity, into the winner's circle. There is good news for all of us who are remain connected to Jesus Christ. And that is the good news for today.